0: They say you should practice what you preach. <laughs> um, I, um, as I sat down, the service started. Um, I looked up at John, and I couldn't see. Um, I, if I'm getting a migraine, I start to lose my um, ability to see. So my eyes were waving all over the place. And like, okay, Lord, this is not funny. Um, uh, I mean, I do know what I'm going to speak about, but I do need my notes. And... Um, and then Andy comes up with what do you want me to do for you lord i want to see so i prayed and i can see praise the lord um that's not a joke i actually can see so i'm very grateful Um, but practice what you preach and i'm sure i was was racing which is not a great thing and you'll find out why later um so um, just let me just open to philippians and get us there um Get every pub closed, that's how I remember. (laughs) I go to pubs all the time, but that is how I remember, get every pub closed. Anyway, uh, good morning. Today we are, um, can I move this down slightly because it feels like it's in my face, is that okay? Um, Today we are continuing. in fact we're finishing the series that we've been going through on prayer and the safe space that prayer is. And particularly, we're going to finish by talking about rest. Something I think we've all got a keen interest in. The lives we live are full. They're frantic, um, uh, often frantic, routinely stressful, and prone to making us anxious. Things going on for us personally, as well as generally um, the, fa- the fact that we live packed lives. When asked the question, How are you?, busy is often uh, the response. It's not just what's going on for us personally, we also live in stressful, anxiety-inducing times. Uh, Pretty much every news story, it seems, that we read is um, difficult to read. Um, I follow BBC News, apologies to those who don't like the BBC News, but I follow the BBC News on my phone regularly, and um, it's one of the things I'm trying not to do, is to um, just um, doom scroll the news every day. It's actually really difficult, because there are rarely really good things to read about. But this is the reality of our lives and the world that we live in, and um, we have a lot to process every day. And I think post-pandemic, the world that we live in seems to be particularly stressed and anxious, and may I also say angry. It is the nature of the environment that we are living in uh, in these times. So in the midst of our realities, both personal and global, how can we find rest? How can we find rest in these realities? Not just in a taking the weight of your feet and having a cup of tea, momentary kind of rest but a greater kind of rest that god has for us a state of rest that we can live in permanently whatever our realities that we're living in the reality of our lives and the world around us how can we live in a permanent state of restedness despite what is going on around us um i wonder if i asked you um what words would you use to characterize what god is like um just really quick off the top of your head what words would you use just uh just to describe god single words but good. good father father strong. sorry strong, strong. loving, loving. Amazing. able amazing in control. in control praise the lord <laughs> holy almighty, almighty. Gracious, sorry, heavenly, heavenly faithful. faithful, pardon, creator. A creator, and so on, and so on, and so on. What a wonderful God. That, let's just stop a moment. Isn't that incredible that, that the one that we've just described in such a way is the one that we know and who loves us? But I suspect very few people, if you ask them, give me some words to describe how God is characterised. I think that people would rarely use the word "rested." It's not often a word that we think of when we think of God, not because we don't think he's rested, but it's not a ca- something that we would often think that would characterise what God is like. Rested. But as we learn, very, at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, the very first things we learn about what God is like first thing we learn is that he's an all-powerful creator and the second thing we learn is that he rests isn't that amazing those are the first two things or three things i just said three things but the first three things we learn about what god is like all-powerful creator rested it's amazing after he'd finished creating the universe and all living things god rested on the seventh day whether it was a literal day, we're not going to go into that. But he rested. He rested at the end of his work of creation. And he not only rested, he called that day blessed, and he set it apart to be holy. And later on we see in the commandments, it's one of the it makes star, a starring role in the commandments that to to take the Sabbath day and make it holy. God has purposed rest for us. Isn't that amazing? God has purposed rest for us, and he has set for us a pattern of working and resting. And I think throughout the Bible, there are two kinds of rest that we see um, written about. Um, The first one, which is this, in creation, God established the principle of physical rest. This wasn't a metaphorical Sabbath that God was talking about. It was a physical Sabbath, that God was talking about. It's important though, that I think that we have a good theology of work in order to have a good theology of rest. And the Bible makes it clear for us that there is a time for work and there is a time for rest. It's important to take Sabbath rest seriously as God designed it for us in order for us to live well. But that's a whole different sermon and we're not gonna talk about that. The second kind of rest that the scripture talks about is, so that one's for in creation, a physical rest that God has provided for us. But in the new creation, when Jesus came, he provided for us a different kind of rest, and this is the one that we're going to talk about today. It's the kind of rest that will provide for us a new way of living in this life and the next. It's not the kind of rest that you take periodically at specific times it's the kind of rest that God provides for us to live in constantly that is what I call soul rest soul rest Jesus says in Matthew 11 come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls That is why Jesus came, came, that we could know him, that we could come to him, and that we could find rest for our souls in him. In the New Testament, um, the Apostle Paul's writings testify to a person who lives out this truth in his life, is a person who knows what it means to have soul rest. When we first meet Paul at the beginning of Acts Um, he can in no way be described as a rested person. On encountering the risen Jesus, he was on his way to Damascus, and he he goes from being an intimidating, vengeful person who is hell-bent on destroying every Christian to being utterly transformed, living for Jesus, not against him, in full dependence on the Holy Spirit. He went from a man being obsessed with wielding his power over people, bound by religiosity to a man described and dedicated to bringing God's peace to all people. Just such a difference from a man who wanted to murder Christians to a man who wanted to bring peace to all people. But following Jesus took Paul to hard places where he was no longer the persecutor, but he was the persecuted. When things were tough, How did Paul respond? And this takes us to our passage here in Philippians, which John so wonderfully read out. Um, Apologies, for some reason that jumped. There's a little bit earlier than that. (laughs) Quite an important bit earlier than that. Um, But bear with me. In this book of Philippians, um, which I'm sure most of us know a lot about, um, we find Paul in prison. Uh, this is not paul sitting in his nice study somewhere beautiful looking out on the mountains paul is in prison as he writes these words to a young church who's facing heavy persecution it's important that we remember that fact that paul was in prison and the church was facing persecution when we read these words that paul writes to us in chapter four because if we forget the context in which these words are written, we could easily imagine that, that, you know we could easily say, oh, that's all right for Paul, but he doesn't know my circumstances. Paul does understand what it looks like to be living in hard times. These words were written in a time of turmoil and uncertainty. Sound familiar? We might not be in prison, but we live in a time of turmoil and uncertainty, a time of stress, anxiety, and fear. These are the times that Paul writes these words to us. And I think these words in Philippians chapter 4 give us an understanding of what it really means to have soul rest. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These familiar verses start by talking about joy and end up by talking about peace. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, I love that word, That's so English, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. We talk a lot about joy and peace at this time of year, coming up to Christmas. Joy and peace, we're going to talk about it a lot, Um, and that's great. It's a really good thing, but let's remember what that joy and peace is about. When, When we talk about joy in this context, we often think we can sometimes confuse joy with happiness, the things that make us happy, you know. Going to the cinema makes me happy. Having a good meal makes me happy. Spending time with my family makes me happy. There's lots of things going on holiday, etc., etc. For us all, there are many things that make us happy, and those are not bad things. They are really good things. But what Paul is talking about here is not just happiness that is circumstantial. Paul is talking about here something much deeper and much more permanent. These are not circumstantial times, experiences that Paul is talking about when he says, rejoice. And it's so important that he says it twice. Now, I don't think Paul is a man who wastes words. Um, It's so important uh, that we learn this and we understand it. He says it twice to us. He says, rejoice. Whatever your circumstances, rejoice. It is a call to joy. It is a call to joy. Not in a just ignore and, you know, yeah, just forget what's going on, ignore your realities, you know, kind of put your fingers in your ears and go la la la. It's not about that, but it's a call to joy. But it's a call to joy that is about an attitude rather than a feeling. The key is not, the key to this, I think, is what, or in fact who, our joy is in. Our joy is not in... Our circumstances our joy is in a person it's in the person of Jesus that is how we can have continual joy because of Jesus because of the one who loves us who is with us who knows us who is perfect he fully knows you and he fully loves you and when we are fully known and we are fully loved and we live in that experience of that truth we can find soul rest We can rejoice in Jesus. Soul rest is found in relationship with Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I love this. It's such a weird verse in the middle of Philippians, I think, on the face of it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It feels like so strange in the context of this passage But I love it because when you think back to Matthew 11, where it talks about what Jesus is like, he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then Paul says to the Philippians, and he says to us, let your gentleness be evident to all. I think gentle people are rested people. People who live in soul rest are gentle people. Just spend time around someone who's a very rested person. They're probably going to be quite a gentle person. I think it's the nature of what it means. I mean, it's what it means to become more like Jesus. But I think we become like Jesus as we live in the rest that he provides for us. Then he says, God is near. Now, there's much debate on the commentaries about what Paul means when he says God is near. Does he mean that God is near because he's here by his Holy Spirit, he's literally here near? Or does he mean that Jesus is coming again in, uh, at some point, hopefully soon. Please, Lord, I'm praying for that every day. Uh, come now, Lord Jesus. Um, I think it doesn't matter, actually, because both are true. The Lord is near, he is here by his spirit, but he is also coming again. And we can be arrested in the truth that God is coming back. Be at rest, he is coming back. But Paul recognizes there, are, there is much in this passage that uh, Paul recognizes in this passage there is much in our lives that makes us anxious, and he tells us not to be <laughs> just don't be sometimes not very helpful i'm really worried about something Oh, just don't be Oh, that's really helpful <laughs> okay, i won 't be then. It can be a little bit annoying like just don 't be anxious, but actually he gives us a real the tools to actually um, to to actually be in a place where we don't have to be and we can live in an unanxious way we can live in a rested way he says to pray do not be anxious instead pray it's not don't be anxious and then not fill the gap it's don't be anxious pray that's what we are called to do hence the whole series on praying and being the safe space praying to the one who already knows your stuff who already knows what's going on. See, prayer is not explaining things to God. He knows. Prayer is not encouraging God to keep his promises. He is faithful. And prayer is not trying to persuade God to do something that he's reluctant to do. He is for you and he is a good, good father. Prayer is focusing on the one who gives you rest. So focusing on the one who gives you rest is turning to him and trusting him and peace will come from him we can't kind of drum up peace in our lives peace can only come from the one who is the prince of peace the one that can provide us with peace it is in him that you will find rest true rest soul rest is in spending time with god focusing on him discovering more of who he's like basking in his presence telling him what's really going on in your life in your heart and in your mind not what you think you he wants you to say as nd said last week god already knows what's going on but he actually gives you the space to come and be real with him talk to him listen to him be still with him get away with him from all the noise of life. He is good and you will find rest for your soul. You will find peace. I read these words um, somewhere. It said, prayer is a declaration of dependence that welcomes rest. Prayer is a declaration of dependence that welcomes rest. We are called to dependence on God and that is how we find peace. That is how we find rest. There's a Scottish church leader called Alastair Begg, and he says this: "God sorry, <coughs> excuse me. God offers a rest that soothes our souls. Soul rest fr- flows from a life surrendered to him in faith. When the dust of death, which came from sin, settled upon humanity, we could no longer enjoy the deeper rest God intended. We need a new creation. And this is exactly what God has provided. Ah, oh, That's good, isn't it? That is exactly what God has provided. God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. And now we can know and live in a deep rest as we walk in communion with him. We know this soul rest when we abide in Christ. Spend some time looking at John 15. That is, that is a place of soul rest abiding in Christ when we make our home in him. Andy asked me to preach um, uh, back sometime in October. took me a little while to get back to you, I think, Andy. Sorry. But I did say yes. I did say yes. Um, However, events of the past month meant that I was very close to backing out of speaking today. Um, But last week, when I looked again at what endy had asked me to speak about um i realized that um uh, it was something that actually i had been it was a key topic for me because of something that i'd been experiencing in the the last month um and uh often it's the way when you're asked to speak god is teaching you lessons well ahead of you even knowing that you need to learn them um, on the 2nd of November, I'd, um, I'd had a fairly normal day. <coughs> I'd spent the morning with my communications team. I see my old communications director sit in the room. You'll be pleased about this, Rachel. Um, I spent the morning with my communications team doing strategic planning. I love strategic planning. I know I'm weird. <coughs> anyway, so it was looking at what's, what's priority, anyway, et cetera, et cetera, strategic planning. Let's not go into that. <coughs> I'd spent the whole morning with my team, uh, looking at SWAT and all that stuff. Um, And then I had lunchtime um, with another colleague to discuss what we're doing in Northern Ireland and our work there. Um, Great working lunch. And then I was on my way home to drive Paul to the airport. And on my way home, uh, I happened to go past my doctor's surgery and so I thought, oh, I need to pick up my repeat prescription for my thyroid. So I dropped into the surgery to pick up my repeat prescription. And they said, oh, you can't have it unless you take your blood pressure. Oh, it's annoying. So Okay, I'll take my blood pressure. So they've got two booths in this surgery you can go and do it on yourself you know it's always dangerous to do self-service I'm let me tell you but anyway I went into self-serve my blood pressure put my arm in it I did all the machine thing and the machine said oh sorry that was a fail do it again so I did it again no that was a fail do it again and then the third time it said on the machine go this is how in my head I remember it go and see the reception now it's like okay so I went to see the receptionist with my numbers She looked at my numbers and she said, I just need to see the doctor. So she went to see the doctor and she came out and said, the doctor needs to see you in the next hour. I'm like, okay. So it was clear that something was really wrong. And the fact that, you know, it's difficult to get a GP appointment, no comment, but it's sometimes challenging. The fact that the doctor wanted to see me the next hour, I knew it was so serious. So I drove home and said to Paul, um, I can't take you to the airport because I need to be um, at the doctor's in an hour. And Paul's like, oh, it's all right, I'll get a taxi. And I'm like, I think it's quite serious. And I probably need you to come with me. So I was actually taking Paul to the airport because he was getting the train to London to get a plane from Heathrow. A little bit of detail. He's like, I'll get a train a bit later. It's fine. I was like, great, okay, let's. But I was, I was stressed, which you can't, shouldn't be when you've got a blood pressure problem. So I went, I went back to the doctor with Paul, and um, in short, I was in a hypertension crisis. My blood pressure was so high that the, even the doctor looked alarmed. And um, he said, you really should be in hospital, but that's a bit of a stressful place to be right now. So I'm not recommending that's where you go, but I want to see you every day until we start to see an improvement in your blood pressure. Um, my numbers were horrific. Um, and I, I describe it, um, I, this story could be my hypertension crisis or hitting a brick wall running at 60 miles an hour. That's what it felt like. I was just living normally. I'd had a normal fast-paced day. I felt fine. I went to the doctor and it was like I hit a brick wall running fast into it. So I remember going home and thinking, what does this even mean? I I, what does this even mean? My heart was, I was even more stressed because I, I was in a hypertension crisis and I'd already looked up that that's bad. And, um, and so, um, so I went home and, um, and Paul wrote to everybody that he should write to to say, Leslie's not looking at her email. She's not at work. She's been told to rest. Um, I'm not sure when you'll see her, but until she's in a better place, she's not going to be working. It's not easy to do when the CEO suddenly has just stopped work. But I have an amazing team who just got on with it, and it was fantastic, and actually it was such a blessing. But it really was, for me, a huge wake-up call. Huge wake-up call. Um, I have no idea how long my numbers were at that level. I have no idea. Um, but I knew that it wasn't just a put-a-plaster-on-it kind of moment in my life. It was a, I have to take a look, a hard look at how I'm living because how I'm living could kill me. And so um, <laughs> so I've done all the things. Um, I've discovered a lot about blood pressure, lots of tests. In short, they've diagnosed that I've got stress because there's nothing else. Um, that's... In some respects, if something else, you can go, okay, what do we do to fix that? If it's stress, what do you have to do to fix that? Apparently rest, but that's not easy to do when you feel stressed about your blood pressure. Anyway, you know the story and so on and so on. So I have in my notes, um, operation healthy blood pressure because I'm a project person. So now my project is getting my blood pressure healthy. I'm on tablets, so that helps. um, But immediately I cut caffeine i had a wicked caffeine withdrawal headache the next day (laughs) cut salt i cut alcohol i miss the red wine for now for now Um, but i was like what can i do to um, help myself to be in a healthier place Um, and i know i need to eat well avoiding all of the stuff that doesn't help your blood pressure i need to lose weight i need to exercise i'd done a zumba class and i's before just to say that for context Um, I need to exercise, I need to sleep. I need to sleep. Sleep is a god great God-given thing. And I also need to manage stress. That's the most tricky part. That's the most tricky part. That's how we deal with our blood pressure. I know there's doctors in the room, so forgive me if I've got any of this. You know, if you need to correct anything, do feel free to give me a private consultation after the service. but um that's how we deal with blood pressure um or certainly help us to get to a place of a good resting blood pressure but what does it look like for us to have a spiritually healthy blood pressure i won't push the analogy too far what does it look like for us to be um to have a healthy place of soul rest i think it's the same things really eat well What are we feeding ourselves on? Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How do we fill our minds that will enable us to live in a world, in our realities, with God's perspective? We need to feed regularly on God's word, allowing God's word to speak to us, to shape our understanding of ourselves, of who he is, and of the world that we're living in. What are you feeding yourself on? The second one is lose weight. What are you carrying that you need to shed? What extra weight are you carrying that you need to shed? Hebrews 12 verse one says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles We all know that there are things that become part of our lives that are not healthy for our souls. We don't often talk about confession, not in the Baptist tradition. I grew up as an Anglican. Um, But confession um, actually is really good for us. It helps us, um, it helps our souls. um, Our soul weight loss plan is to confess. Coming before God, with honesty enables us to get rid of the things that weigh our souls down and to receive his forgiveness to be living light as God wants us and intends for us the third one is exercise how do we exercise faith how are we stepping out and trusting God beyond our natural boundaries Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Being spiritually healthy requires us to step out with confidence into the things that God has for us day by day, putting into practice the things that we learn from him and trusting him that he is faithful, praying constantly as we go. I don't know how much prayer is just a constant part of your daily life. Just knowing that God is with you and acknowledging that and as you exercise faith in living out we can't just go and sit in the bubble we have to live out our faith practically in the world that God has put us in Um, so eat well lose weight exercise faith sleep how can our souls come to absolute rest Psalm 46 verse 10 says be still and know that I am God this is not just pausing for a moment and then rushing off this is about having good rhythms in our lives taking Sabbath seriously a number of years ago some of you remember that Paul spoke about um, being having good rhythms and rest and he talks talked about if you remember some of you that were here he talked about taking two minutes every day Um, and two hours every month and two days every year just to pause, reflect, and rest, to be still as God calls you to. And finally, manage stress. How can we live in in a rested way when we live in a stressful world? Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk on wine, which will ruin you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit God's spirit is living in you. But when Paul talks about being filled, it's not as a kind of one-off, I have the Holy Spirit. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit, but it's a constant filling. It's a filling and a refilling. It's walking in step with the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with him, having a day-by-day, moment-by-moment closeness with God and living in his strength and not our own. Um, On November the 2nd, um, when um, I'd just seen the doctor and hit the brick wall at 60 miles an hour, um, I went to bed that night, and um, I would describe it as like the dark night of the soul in the sense that um, I lay there knowing that I needed to try to relax, but all I could think was um, that I could have a stroke. That's all I could think about was I could have a stroke tonight, and what if I don't wake up in the morning? And that was a very, very difficult and dark place to be. Um, whether that's how much... what that Anyway, it doesn't matter. The fact that it was what I was thinking about was my reality that night. And as I lay there and I was trying to pray, you know, I'm talking all about prayer and having a rested soul, having soul rest in prayer. I kept trying to pray, but I just felt like I couldn't. I couldn't even... Um, string words together to talk to God about what was going on and how I was feeling. Um in Philippians, Paul tells us to think about all the good God things. Um, oh that's my blood that wasn't my numbers, by the way. No, they were far far worse than that. Um uh, as I was laying there praying, um suddenly um, the words of psalm 23 came to mind as i lay there and um and it was it was the the only way that i could find myself starting to relax and find peace and rest in that moment um whenever i uh, there's a reason that this picture is up here this is annick castle by the way northumberland um, which is god's holy county um, uh, uh, th- this is where I always am in this psalm because I visualize it and this is where I am in this psalm it's a beautiful place of green lush um, pastures a very gentle um, stream um, and a strong a strong castle um, for me is a reflection of the strength of God and the safety uh, castles were created to be safe places um, and that this sense of so I, this is why I picture myself I've been here regularly many many times this is not my picture by the way I wish um, it's beautiful but this is where I pictured myself on that second of November lying in the dark in my bed and I started to go through Psalm 23 and I'd like us to just do that now um, I'd like to ask you invite you to just close your eyes as we come to a finish And we're going to finish with a meditation on Psalm 23. Um, What I did that evening was just very slowly walk through the psalm. Thankfully, I'd memorized it. Visualizing God taking me by the hand as I did. Uh, Do close your eyes if you like. Whatever you are facing, whatever is going on in your heart and in your soul, whatever you are... um, Uh, afraid of, anxious about, concerned for, whether that be the world that we're living in or personal circumstances, come as you are. Allow Jesus to take you by the hand as he speaks these words. The Lord is my shepherd, the God who made all things, who is sovereign over everything, Even in my life, it is his care I am in. I lack nothing. I have everything I need in him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me into the place where I will be able to sleep and rest, a safe place. A restful place, a peaceful place. He leads me beside quiet waters. This is not a rushing river, but a quiet water. A place I can find refreshment. He restores my soul. He makes me whole. He guides me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will show me how to live. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I can't see what is before me, but God who is strong and good is with me and he will lead me through it and out the other side. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You are able to keep me near. You will guide me, you will protect me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know what I need before I do and you provide for me, I can be at peace. You anoint my head with oil, I am yours. My cup overflows, your goodness will pour out for others to know your goodness also. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. You will never leave me in this life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is my true home. Amen. This is the soul rest that God has provided for us this is not a formula to give you rest this is living perpetually in the presence of God he is with you he calls you to come to him to trust him living perpetually in connection with the Good Shepherd he will give you rest soul rest he will give you peace Amen.